1: Welcome to the There It Is podcast, a comedy podcast for creators of any variety. I'm your host, Jason Farr. Let's do this. Thanks so much for listening, especially if this is your first time listening. Very much appreciate that. Old episodes can be found on iTunes and SoundCloud. And uh, I had a very fun chat with my friend Jason Underwood for his podcast, The Bearded Ones, a podcast he does with Evan Harris, who wasn't there this time, though, unfortunately. But I talked with Jason about the comedy duo Bracket and Star Wars. It was posted a couple of days ago, so it's available right now. You can find it on Stitcher and iTunes, so check that out, The Bearded Ones. Also, last week's guest, Lisa Bettencourt, we were talking about her doing foot-fiving on Instagram. Well, she started a foot-fiving Instagram account. You can find it at foot 5 the World. <laughs> she is hilarious. Also, something very cool, a couple from back home that Justina and I, girlfriend of the show, are friends with, were in town. And she they invited us to the Comedy Cellar. And on the lineup was Pete Holmes and Robert Kelly and Gary Goleman, who we've seen a ton since moving here, and Mike Berbiglia. All of them crushed it. Also on the lineup was someone named Terry Todd. Now, I had never heard of Terry Todd, but it's New York, and there are a ton of comics working here that you may not have heard of, so that's what I chalked it up to. But I came to find out that's a fake name put on the lineup to slot a surprise guest. The surprise Judd Apatow. Yeah. He was great. He, he It was just fun to see him. Comedy Cellar is legendary for having awesome nights where someone dropped in or a group of people dropped in, like Dave Chappelle and Chris Rock, just everybody. But I, I learned a lot from watching them all. They're so good. Everyone who's on the lineup was great. And there's just something different about seeing a comic on that level in a club, in a live setting, as opposed to seeing their special. Something about the pace or something just seems different. They're just beasts up there. You may see comedy at open mics every week, but I would suggest fitting in some time to see successful comics working in a club if you can, because it'll teach you something. They make it look so easy, but you learn a lot about stage presence and pacing and holding the attention. I need to do that more. Enough about me, let's get to today's awesome guest. She's on a mod team at UCB, has appeared in a bunch of things on TV, like The Brave, Pool Party, The Last OG, and Late Show with Stephen Colbert. She also writes and is doing a Spanish-speaking sketch show at UCB. We talk about it all right here in this great chat. There are more details to share about her upcoming shows after the interview, so stick around for that. But let's get right to it. Here's my chat with Erica Hernandez. I first saw you performing with your sketch team at UCB recently. Uh, cool. Which is the, a recent show? Yes, it was. And that team is the foundation, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. And it was uh, a month or so ago. A buddy of mine, a good friend of mine, is uh, one of the writers, Davey. Uh,
0: oh, Davey. Yeah. I love Davey. Isn't oh. he
1: the best? I love him, too.
0: He's the best.
1: He's the best. He's so funny, and he's so intelligent, and such a good comedy writer. Yeah, um, he's great. And people
0: have a very dark sense of humor, so I love <laughs> about
1: him. Uh, but you are fantastic. Like, the whole team is very great. Uh, yeah. You, and I, I feel like complimenting you is going to inadvertently throw shade on other people that I don't <laughs> intend to do, but... Um, we were just talking about you after the show. My girlfriend and I and a couple of other people that were with us were just saying, like, oh, my gosh, she is so good. Oh. And you've got a great stage presence.
0: Oh, that's so good to hear. You know, honestly, I... <laughs> I'm one of those people, uh, this is another thing that Davey and I have in common, but I am one of those people who will literally never walk away from something and be like, Oh, nailed it. Like, I feel so great. Like (laughs) it's very, very rare for that. And I think that's probably normal for performers, but just especially like, I'm always surprised when people say that they like something I did. I'm like, really? (laughs) That's great to hear.
1: (laughs) No, I'm the same way. Honestly, like, uh, he and I are on an indie team together and we've had two shows and both times I was like, well, I stunk up the barn, but everyone else did great. And people will always say like, no, I I thought you were really good. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about, <laughs> but, uh, but I get that as well. Yeah. He, it's, I think it's also a, a sign of like humility in in Davey and in you, uh, that you're not like, yep, I killed that
0: right yeah yeah that's a good way of looking at it and outside of our neuroses sure
1: <laughs> oh for sure there is a certain level of emotional health that i would uh <laughs> certainly suggest for people in our position to yeah. try to seek but um, there's always like taking the the compliment and you know like that's one thing i think a lot of people have to work on and, and yeah. just sort of seeing things for what they really are sometimes there's certain things you just can't really be in control of and that's one of the tough things about acting. For
0: sure, yeah. And I'm not I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily describe myself as a control freak overall. And I guess freak is not really a great word to use, but just like I <laughs> generally try to be sort of go with the flow, but I know that at the same time, a lot of people would describe me as very type A and very, like, <laughs> you know, wanting a certain level of organization in my life. And mm-hmm. um, and that being said, like, yes, it's just I've had to learn so quickly and so with such difficulty how much I don't have control over my life, specifically through this career. I mean, I think that's true in life in general, but this Mm -hmm. career, I mean, you walk into a room and like maybe two seconds before you do, they decided that for sure they want a blonde for that role or whatever it is. And it's just like, and you have no idea that those decisions or conversations are being made or had. And so you really just like, you don't have control, but it's so hard to remember that because then you walk out and you're like, "Well, what oh my god, it's because I messed up that one word or whatever it is." But but it's it's hard to remember, but it's also healthy to remember that you really you know, you're you're yeah. just a very small part of the whole process and you don't right. actually
1: have power. <laughs> right. Yeah, I know. I mean, I guess they say um they say that film and television is a director's medium uh but I feel like auditioning is the casting directors medium or something like it's it's still yeah. just <laughs> it's you're still just not that in control of uh, other people but then also I one thing that gets me is just even as the actor performing something where it is the actors medium like like theater if you're working with a script and you have so much control there's there's still so little control we can have sometimes over our bodies like if we want to hit a certain rhythm Oh, uh, sure. we might get close sometimes or we want to wanted to like put a certain amount of emotion into this part of the line. And we don't quite match that the way we wanted to. Right. Ugh, That's the thing that kills yeah. me. <laughs> that
0: can be hard. And it's interesting because I, I mean, I, 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 I'm focusing on comedy. That's sort of my end goal and sort of streamlined focus at the moment. But I was mm-hmm. trained as a, theatrical actor like I went to school for theater, so I still go out and occasionally work on dramatic things and I think the more in some to some degree comedy has helped me in that way because you are forced to listen and be in the moment a lot with improv Mm -hmm. and that is helpful for dramatic acting but at the same time like the thing that comedy brings out in a lot of people and the reason some people are very good at it is because we're always like we're anxious people and we're always in our head and we're always thinking like five steps ahead which sometimes can be great for like improv and sketch and you know all these funny things like it's good to sort of be heady but that's terrible for dramatic acting because it's oh, there yeah. and instead of being just like in the scene and open and vulnerable you're sitting there going like why am I not why am I not feeling anything? Like, what's happening? And, you know, and you can just spit. And I've gotten a little bit better about trying to sort of compartmentalize those two heads. But it is tricky because people are always like, oh, you have to be so good to be in comedy and so smart. And it's true. But, like, I, I admire people who can just, like, strip it all away and maybe aren't comedic actors, but are just, like, good at, you know, tapping into things immediately.
1: <laughs> oh, I can yeah.
0: For as, as, as bit
1: people yeah I mean you know it's that is one of the things is that if you're a good actor and a good listener you can do well in improv and you don't have to necessarily be good at creating bits but you know it's it's just sort of responding in the moment and if you're responding honestly then it helps still the scene you know like you can uh, you can be a good glue person and, uh, and sure. scenes when you're, you're, you're helping things work and you're filling in the cracks.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure.
1: Well, I was not at all surprised to hear that you <laughs> studied theater. Uh, <laughs> because the thing I've always noticed uh, about people ever since moving here to New York, whenever I see someone who's really great in improv or, or sketch, you can tell the people who are trained and uh, people who might be great, but are not, you know, like you can still see that, that extra difference and you, it's, it's really all in the stage presence, which you have uh, a tremendous amount of. And uh, thank you. Oh, well, you're very welcome. <laughs> I guess it's kind of the X factor that some people talk about or having it, but to a certain degree, it's, it's probably coming from comfortability of having been on stage for so many years of your life.
0: Yeah, I would say it's more that because I—I I mean, as much as I—I'm not uh, throwing shade on my theater training. Like, I did get a lot out of school, but I know just as many people who don't go to school for theater and are just like are amazing actors, right? Mm-hmm. So, and my philosophy, even when I was in school, like, I—it was a pretty rigorous theater program. I went to Fordham University, which is—it's a good school for theater, uh-huh. and um, and they have a great program, and it's very like. Uh, comprehensive there's a lot of class you sort of take classes in everything from theater history to movement to all this stuff but I even going into it one of the reasons I picked Fordham was because they require all of their majors to take the core curriculum Mm -hmm. so like you're still taking sciences and maths and English and history like it's not just theater and I really that was really important to me because I... I feel, and I know people have different feelings about this, but I think it's important to be well-rounded and to mm-hmm. know a lot about different things uh, to be an actor. Like I think smart actors are often more interesting to watch, just because they, you know, they are sort of tapping into other. Like if you study history, there's so much empathy to be had right there, right? Or English. Mm-hmm. Reading literature, you're getting more, and so when you get too absorbed in just theater, I think sometimes that can be dangerous. So my philosophy in school uh, was always that, like, I studied abroad in Mexico City instead of London, which is where most of like the theater kids would study abroad, and I just always tried to have that mentality about it. And so I think you're totally right. Like, I think most of the um, comfort on stage can often come less from necessarily training per se to just like the experience of it as a whole, you know, like, yeah, uh, just, just having been in some performing capacity for a while, whether or not like that was training or just like knowing, you know, just like knowing how to deal with an audience and that sort mm. of thing.
1: Right. Yeah. And also just very used to presenting, emotions on stage in front of people like it's like putting on your favorite pair of pants at some point right it it fits comfortably
0: yeah yeah and it can be very that you know is very freeing and cathartic I mean I think Mm -hmm. I don't think I'm the only one but I know a lot of comedians who are like me who are sort of introverted like I'm not actually like a super loud personality and then people (laughs) be surprised because they'll see me do just like insane stuff on stage and I'm like well that's kind of how I like, do all that. Like, I get to be mm-hmm. insane, and I get to do that stuff, but I don't, doesn't necessarily, because they always expect you, if you're a comedian, to just be, like,
1: all the on. All the time, on. Yeah. yeah. Oh, gosh, yeah.
0: And I, like, I, I, don't get me wrong, like, when I'm with the foundation, when I'm with friends that I have now, you know, formed that bond with and can be vulnerable with, like, we'll have an, I'll be an insane person, but, like, mm-hmm. you know, just meeting people, like, there's some people who are just always
1: these big comedic personalities and that's not um well yeah it is it i think a lot of it comes from people not really understanding what being introverted means they sure. think that introversion means you're shy but really it doesn't necessarily mean that it, it can easily just mean i'm better one-on-one with people but another thing that i read was they shine better in a capacity like performing on stage right like that's where they really give off their energy whereas off stage they would be better talking to like one person or a couple people that they're close with rather than be at a party and have to kind of give off the energy to everybody at once (laughs) right yeah um, yeah, and yeah. I
0: wouldn't say that those are, like, like, mutually exclusive things. Like, there's po- there's plenty of people who are, you know, and I'm not, like, yeah, you're right. Like, it's a, introverted does not mean shy. It's not that I, like, don't enjoy being around people or talking mm-hmm. or having a good time. But there is uh, definitely, like, I think, um, I don't remember who, I think it was Amy Schumer said something similar in an interview where she was, like, people expect that I must be this, like, huge personality when they meet me but it actually takes me a second to like get to know people and warm up and
1: mm-hmm. and
0: be you know I'm different than I am on stage which I think is, is very true for a lot of people but at the, I mean yeah. I say this but then if you like talk to Davy or one of the foundation people they'd be like oh she's nuts <laughs> but-
1: <laughs> well maybe we'll get Davey on here uh, yeah. soon and then we can confirm what you're like yeah <laughs> um so you've done a ton of things. Let's talk a little bit about what you've done outside of college. When you left Fordham, did you go straight to New York?
0: Uh, so Fordham is in New York. It's, oh, um, I'm
1: stupid. I, no, for some okay. reason, thought Fordham was around here, but I didn't realize it was in New York.
0: It's, well, it is confusing because there are two campuses, and one of them is in Rose Hill, which is the Bronx, and so people don't necessarily think of it as a city school because it's not, like, visibly in the, you know, greater city of Manhattan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but uh, but I actually went to the smaller campus, which is in New York at Lincoln Center, but it's kind of easy to miss just because there's so much happening in that neighborhood. Um, but, yeah, no, I was here for college, and so then I just stayed because that was sort of an easy transition. And I wasn't, like, I had sort of had representation even when I was in college just through like a weird workshop that I did my senior year of high school but I was you know I had done like a couple things but they in college they were very specific about like commit yourself to this program and don't like really go work yet like you're you're a student that's what you should be focusing on so I did like a few things that not anything huge by any means it was like non-union like tiny little things and uh But then I got out of school, and I was still with that rep for a while, and I Mm -hmm. needed to make money, so I was, like, waiting tables for Mm -hmm. two years, two and a half years, like, not really doing much, like, little things here and there, but again, it wasn't, like... You know, I I remember very distinctly one time, one of my family, they did not mean anything by it, but I just remember them introducing me to someone and being like, this is my sister Erica, she's a waitress in New York. And I was like, ah, (laughs) just like, was like a knife to my soul. (laughs) I remember being like, well, this is cool. Like, I must really not be doing it yet. And it it really took a while. Like, I, I, I stopped waiting tables and was unemployed for a bit. Mm -hmm. Um. And then like did some odd jobs and then ended up finding like a really wonderful day job through an improv friend and things just slowly built up and it really wasn't until last year. Like I I kind of went between different reps, but it was all mostly for commercial stuff and and Mm -hmm. people I like hardly met. And so, you know, you're really not like doing a whole lot at that point. And then last year I, you know, had the story that I feel like, I was always jealous of when I heard because I would just like meet people who had these amazing reps, and I'm like, how did you get them? Because you think that you have to like send emails and do all this stuff. And I was doing all of that, like doing these like one-on-one workshops and whatnot. And it, and then last year, um, I did. I was doing a show that I just did for fun with a very dear friend of mine named Mm -hmm. Pedro. And someone was in the audience and really liked what we were doing, so we were in contact after that. And then they ended up bringing me in to interview me uh for acting for like a to be a talent client basically and um and after working with them for just a bit they signed me and that was sort of like the beginning of like this year which has been a tremendous change for me and I feel so grateful and so lucky but I'm also like yeah I was I've been here since 2008 (laughs) and this happened in 2017 so like you know it took a while
1: (laughs) yeah yeah. That's that's also a common thing I've heard, <laughs> you know, yeah, about just the time it takes. Yeah, but, uh, like you know.
0: cool things that happen in between there. You know, like I, I started mm-hmm. at UCB and realized that I really like comedy, and there was a whole sort of trajectory there too. Mm-hmm. But I didn't mean to immediately make this about like reps and stuff. But when you talk oh, no, about here, a- you know, you're sort of talking about getting those jobs, and that really changed for me like last year.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now, you mentioned a few minutes ago, you, you sort of referred to yourself as a comedian. Would you consider yourself a comedian or an actor or an actor comedian? Like, where does it, because some people, they almost, even people, I've heard people in improv sort of treat being called a comedian uh, like as an insult. Uh. Oh,
0: no. I, I would say I'm an actor comedian. Like, I, because mm-hmm. I, my goal in life is not my goal in life, but, like, career-wise, like, a place I would love to end up is, like, a long-running sitcom. Like, mm-hmm. I would love it. And that is very much, like, a comedy thing. A lot of comedians would want yeah. that. And, I, you know, I'm not a stand-up, so I'm not that sort of comedian, but I mm-hmm. think you can definitely still call yourself... Like, I do a lot of characters and impressions. I'm constantly writing and, you know, trying to find new funny things. And, like, I... I definitely think of I, I consider myself a comedian and most of the people that I know in the comedy world even if they don't call themselves that I would be like no you are you write funny stuff you are like a comedic personality that's the thing that you're doing you know and but I'm very much <laughs> like I'm proudly like yeah I'm a
1: comedian yeah no that's cool oh, I think it shows you. in the great work you've done
0: oh, thank you yeah I think you kind of have to claim it for me it was um when I started improv I I Before that, in school, I was like, I'm going to win an Oscar. Like, I was mm-hmm. very intent that that was the kind of actor that I was. Uh, and then, but I had always, but I, in college, I had only been cast in comedies. And I remember a professor, like, sitting me down and being like, you know, you are very smart. Like, you could you could quit acting and go, like, work at the U.N. I was like, mm-hmm. okay. Because I come from a, like, multicultural family, I think that's why she was saying that. But I, I was like, okay. But she was like, or, you know, like, really consider, like, focusing more on comedy. And I was so averse to the idea. But then I I think I met with a rep who said something. Like, she had this idea of all these things that um, we would do if we worked together, and we didn't end up working together. But she was very much like, you have to take an improv class. And I... Mm -hmm. sort of treated that as advice and I did and that was it like within the first two weeks of class I was like oh oh this feels so good like this is why like this is why I wanted to be an actor when I was a kid this feeling and I hadn't had that feeling in a long time and it was just like oh right like this is why I I like performing there's like I'm sharing so it's just fun and so yeah so it became pretty clear after that that I was like Yeah, comedy is a thing I can focus on and should focus
1: on. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, and that transition that you went through, it sounds like for you it went well. For some people that is a tough transition, you know? Like they can go a little while thinking, well, this is what I want to do. And when that feels like it needs to change or is changing, it can be kind of scary. Oh, sure. Yeah.
0: Because
1: it's all (laughs) wrapped up in an identity thing of like, well, this is what I always thought I would be
0: yeah I think you know I think I was lucky to a certain degree because comedy also um I don't know how to explain this but it was it also came at a point in my life where I really needed it like Mm -hmm. I was in what we might call like a down like a valley right Mm -hmm. and I and it just like took me out of there the way that nothing else could. Like I just made such a great group of friends through it. And I was laughing so much and just like, it just felt so good that there was like no way that I wasn't going to accept this new path. That sounds real like loopy, but that's kind of, (laughs) but yeah, that was essentially kind of how it happened. And I think it was like very easy for me to be like, okay, we're doing this because it was,
1: It felt so good. Yeah, I think that's one of the things people maybe don't pick up on enough when it comes to a career in entertainment in general, but I I would say almost especially as an actor, because as an actor, you're always at the mercy of everyone else, kind of. You know, like you can't control your output so much. You can just audition and hope you get it, whereas like a musician they can control their output a lot more because they can just go make music, you know? Like, they can always just do that. Whereas an actor, is, if they're looking for work, then it's up to other people, like we were talking about with auditioning and what we can't control. But then there's also the acceptance of how it's all going, you know? Like, someone can get... uh, And this is universal, but, you know, if you want to be that actor who has this specific type of career... But then you have a different kind of career that still could be solid and good. It can kind of mess with your head. Yeah. And there's so much having to accept the circumstances and accept the no's that you're going to get. Accepting it all and taking it all in stride.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think you kind of build up a little bit of like a callous, right, to certain mm-hmm.
1: like degree
0: of rejection. You learn that like, okay, like I've gone on so many auditions and you know, your your batting average, so they say, can still be good comparatively, but like but then you look at the amount of things that you've gone out for and you're like, Oh my God, like I've been told no so many times mm-hmm. you know, without being told no, right? It's just that you don't hear back. But I mm-hmm. yeah, I think a lot of people can I think there's so much that's scary about this Career choice and path, like the instability is probably the hardest thing for me. And I've gotten mm-hmm. to in my life that feels a little bit more stable, which is nice. That's definitely helpful, especially for like these more anxious personalities among us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I am one of them, but like, you know, it's and you and it's hard too. Like, I come from a family of academics. We all did real well in school. Like, my parents both. Um, not that this necessarily was why, but to a certain degree, it did influence that they're both immigrants. Like they, mm-hmm. uh, they got married, lived in Canada first, and then uh, moved to Texas with my dad's job. And we all grew up in Texas. And I think they were always, you know, very like we didn't watch a lot of TV growing up. Like we either played outside or did our homework. And they just sort of like raised us to really value education. So we all like really went after that including me but I'm the one that sort of then went into this like artsy <laughs> career path whereas like my sister's a doctor my younger mm. brother's an engineer my older brother's like getting his PhD at Stanford like they're all very smart and all like sort of self-made like we all mm. you know, did well enough in school so that we could get scholarships for college like it wasn't gonna be one of those things where it could just go wherever that was not like a financial right. you know, possibility in my family um
1: mm.
0: so like you know like coming from that background too there's always that part of you that's like and for anybody it doesn't matter whether or not you're like I'm not I feel like I'm now sounding snotty and I don't mean to be at all but just like you know when you're like oh wow like I worked so hard in school and like probably could have like done this or this or this but like this is what I'm doing like yeah what was all that for, you know, but I, I, you can, I can easily go down that rabbit hole and then just come back up and be like, well, I truly just know that I would not be happy doing anything else. Like I can't. Yeah. So that's
1: kind of where you land. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And it is, I think, and it it also goes back to this acceptance of uh, out, you know, talking in a bigger way of acceptance of just how life goes. I mean, Right. Yeah, I mean, you know, saying like, well, what was all that for? because that's how life goes. Yeah. You know, I think what can be really tough is when you do have to explain to other people uh, things that, like, you know, it's hard to have this path in entertainment. And when somebody else doesn't understand what you're doing or why it's going that way, and then they want you to explain it on yeah. terms that only they can understand. And it's like, well, listen... This is how life is, and this yeah. is how it's like for people in entertainment. And I don't know what else to tell you, if right. you're not willing to like understand what it's like in the entertainment industry. I, there's nothing I can do for you in, in trying to right. make you feel better about this.
0: Yeah. Oh, I can't tell you the number of conversations I will have with people like from where i grew up back home in texas who are like at least used to be this way now they've seen me in a couple things they recognize so they're like oh she's doing it but before they'd be like you know i saw this commercial for such and such brand and i was just <laughs> thinking like you would have been great for that like wh- why don't you get on one of those oh, and just why don't i like, uh, great.
1: yeah oh and, like, gosh no, it's, I've gotten that before too. And there was like some national commercial that was probably not shot. And this was when I was living in South Carolina and someone was like, Jason, you do a better job than that guy. And it's like, yeah, maybe, but I'm, what are you talking about? They didn't shoot that here. Yeah, <laughs> <You know? laughs> like what?
0: And they're just, like, well, and then their, so, their, their perception is like, oh, well, shouldn't you just like, well, just call up the people. And I'm yeah. like, call up who? Like you Just go, go
1: to what? Broadway.
0: Like, this is not how this works.
1: <laughs> it's like one of the things too is like when there are peers that are doing well, which is already something just like within yourself that is something you have to just come to terms with and it, and right. also accept. Is when someone around you is getting some level of success, even right. if you're not a jealous person. Just saying like, you yeah. know, I, I, you cannot compare yourself to the career That's that somebody exactly. else is having. And and it's tough when somebody else starts comparing your career to the career somebody else is having. Because it's like, listen, internally, I have to do so much to not have this conversation. And now you're forcing me to have this conversation. And it's just, I can't get out of it. <laughs>
0: right? Yeah. You're like, thank you for for reminding me of the thing I was trying <laughs> right. so hard not to think about. Like
1: Yeah, oh, yeah gosh.
0: exactly. Oh, it's so hard. You know, I look at people who I who I know through different things who are years and years younger than me and have already been like series regulars on a yeah. show or whatever. And I'm just like, I have my own path and mm-hmm. it and everything will fall into place or not fall into place like when it's meant to and you know, my life yeah. will just be its own little Story and love we'll you yeah,
1: how. and that's that doesn't have to be a bad thing, right, like I mean I think that's the variables of how things can uh, there're just so many different ways things can turn out that are good, right and it's to me gotten to be kind of silly to pick just one right, I need to be okay with any of them happening, you know like if 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 i'm uh able to put food on the table and take care of people and and uh regardless of how that ends up looking uh in this industry i need to learn how i can accept that yeah but there are so many people (laughs) who uh um can inadvertently play with that and how you sort of accept those sort of circumstances and then there's also the like what does failure look like and when does it mean you need to pack it up you know like it's just there's so many different variables there too because how many people have you heard struggled for a long time and then they made it later in life you know okay. like yeah when you draw the line
0: yeah I think I think one of the biggest lessons for me is because I used to be such a I mean I still am this way but I used to be so like almost numerically goal-oriented right mm-hmm. it was like I i I used to have this goal that I was going to learn seven languages by the time I was 30 and that I was going to do such and such thing by the time I was this age. And like, Mm -hmm. I need this amount of whatever by the time I was. And I just, you know, I I was going to have a great 401k by this age, which is how. But like, um, but I met other people who were like that, too. You know, I would I would meet people and plays during college or just right after college who were like, oh, but I haven't really like gotten anything by 26 and I'm done with this. And I used to be like, oh yeah, like I was right out of college. And I was like, yeah, that sounds right to me too. And I'm really glad that I didn't like fully let myself to commit to that because I, now I'm realizing like, I am not going to put a number on anything. Like it's just running its own pace. And I don't have, as we were talking before, like I don't have control over it. Like you yeah. just don't, I think the more that you Set limits to things like that. You're either setting that limit because you maybe are a little tired and almost want it to be. You want like something that you can say like, "I tried this this much and and it didn't happen, so I can be done." Like it sort of gives you that out that you might need if like you're tired. You know, like my whole thing. Basically, what I said then and what I still say now is the minute. That I'm no longer happy doing this is when it's done. But until that point, like I mm. am mm-hmm. all in, and because I think that's a healthier way of looking at it than like, oh, this that's age, really good, it, whatever. Like you can be fifty and still not have made it, but of trying to make it is still keeping you happy. Then like, more power to you, you know. Um, and just right. you know, yeah,
1: I mean that's that's fair. And like I was just talking to someone yesterday about this about. Uh, Leslie Jones on SNL. Right, she's 47 or something like that when she got cast. And
0: she's brilliant. Like she's, she's doing so all, good. Career is kicking off, and she is so funny and yeah. like personable. Yeah. So yeah.
1: She's 50 me. now and on SNL, and you know, it's. And I remember after her first season on there, and her first season was great on there. She was like just so great, just immediately. Yeah. But um Chris Rock is who got her that gig. He just put her on lord michael's uh, radar and she was yeah. saying uh why why didn't you do that sooner and he said because you weren't ready and she said that to him before she got on there and she was uh-huh. saying after she had been there a year or not even a whole year she was she realized she wasn't ready so right. like just imagine that you know like the years that she was putting in in the entertainment industry in comedy yeah. up until 47 she wasn't ready until 47 like that yeah. that should be encouraging to people that should be eye opening to sure. people too
0: I mean this is a much smaller scale and maybe not everybody even knows what like UCB is but UCB is the comedy s- school and theater where like mm-hmm. I You know, trained and now perform. And I'm on the mod team, the foundation with Davey. And the first, I auditioned a couple times for mod. And I remember my first audition, like, I think I found the characters that I wrote for that first audition not too long ago. And I just remember looking (laughs) at them going, oh God, these are so bad. (laughs) Like, I thought this was funny. Like, what is. And then you just look at them and you're like, wow, like, I okay. And I'm not saying by any means that now I'm like, I can write a brilliant character. Like I still Mm -hmm. struggle, you know, and it's still always sort of searching and honing, but now at least I kind of like know how to go about it and I know how to pitch things. And I, you know, I can figure out when I'm really excited about an idea and like sort of work it and workshop it. But like those were not like, I'm sure at that age, I still would have been like, Oh, I want to be on SNL and I want to do a sitcom. But it's like, I would have, really not been ready at that age yeah,
1: you know and there's so many different things too outside of snl that people can have success in and, right. and be doing fine you know but and that's sort of you know the other aspect of this of like how can you find that you know how can you find yeah. that balance of, of peace of mind because if people have a very narrow view of what success is they'll be very unhappy even if they are successful if they don't have that narrow view of success. But yeah. it is um, it is something to sort of think about, though, when we're talking about, like, creating stuff and then uh, coming up with these ideas and uh, then later when we look back on it like that, right? It's just the right. shelf life that is comedy. There's yeah. Because there's a balance. Like, for one, you're better at crafting that stuff now. But also, even if it was good at the time, it's going to not necessarily age.
0: Right. That's definitely
1: true. It's yeah. uh, it's interesting <laughs> comedy yeah. in that regard.
0: Yeah, and comedy is such like a it's such a platform for failure, man. Yeah. Like there's so many opportunities to fail so hard and you kinda have to before you can like get, you know, reasonably good. Like I remember I, I was making like music video parodies for a hot second and my parents <laughs> they were not fans <laughs> but, like, they were very like proud of the editing i did and my mom liked that i was singing but like i used some choice words and oh uh, yeah they're, they're i they're not conservative conservative but they're conservative in certain ways and that is right. one of like they are not they don't enjoy um cursing
1: let's right, say right um, As many
0: parents don't, but as
1: they (laughs) issue
0: with it, and we had to have a really long conversation, and I just remember explaining to them, I was like, look, I'm trying to do comedy, I really love comedy, and there's, I think that I need, what I need from you guys is to know that I Can fail at this, and that's going to be okay. But what you need to know from me is that I'm never going to do anything that I'm not comfortable with. So even if you're not comfortable with it, just know that like my standards may be a little bit different. There may be things that I consider like worth trying out and worth doing that to you seem offensive, but they are not to me. Like I'm writing them, I'm doing them, I'm Mm -hmm. performing them at my own volition. And we had to have this sort of big conversation about it, which is basically like yeah maybe like i didn't need to curse that much in this music video parody but also like i needed to do that to figure out that that wasn't what the funny thing was you know or Mm. whatever and um and so i was just like you're gonna watch things that you don't like and it's probably because maybe i'm failing real hard but like i need to do that to figure out how to get better and
1: so um yeah And some of that is also, like, how hard it is for parents to see their adult children as adults. Oh. (laughs) That's the tough part. Oh,
0: yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that will just, you know, I don't know how that will ever truly change. uh, Right. (laughs) But, yeah.
1: Yeah, they never want to see their their baby girl or baby boy. Exactly. (laughs) In that way. And it's like, well, listen, I'm an adult. I'm my own adult, adult yeah. even if I can't say it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, let's yeah. talk about some of the successes you've had in in the industry here. Because you've done, as I mentioned, a, a ton of things. But uh, you came in second place for, or you're the second place winner for the NBC-UCB Diversity Showcase. When was yeah. that?
0: That was in, oh boy, I think 2015, I want to say. hmm Yeah, it was either 2014. I think it was 2015. Um, And that was kind of the first... Like, I had taken all the improv classes. I think I was in advanced study by that Mm -hmm. point. But I... (laughs) The thing that got me into, like, impressions and characters, oddly enough, was earlier that year, I'd been, like... You know, everyone at that point was trying to do a web series. So I was doing videos with people. And it was right after the um, Oscars... So, yeah, I think it was 2015, because it was the Oscars where Lady Gaga sang The Sound of Music. I don't know if you remember that. She sang The Sound of, like, a medley from The Sound of Music, and it was beautiful. She did an amazing job. But I just remember before, so many people were like, Lady Gaga, really? Like, it's such a classical musical. Like, how is this going to work? And I just remember sitting there thinking, like, oh, this is so funny. Like, what about all the other pop stars that, like, tried to audition to sing this, like, you know, super classical uh, piece of music. And so I was like, I have to do something with this like right away. Cause it's super topical. So I like mm-hmm. spent a whole day in my apartment, like a whole weekend day. I think just like, I literally hung like a bed sheet up on the wall so that I would have like a blank wall. It look, I mean, you look at it and you're like, where is she? <laughs> Terrible lighting, all this stuff. But I just like pulled out every costume or like weird article of clothing I had. And just like, did all these, like, mostly musical impressions, just, like, back-to-back-to-back to back to back, doing mm-hmm. this stupid video. And it's not... It didn't go viral or anything, but I was just, like, mm-hmm. very proud of the idea. And then I started having people being like, oh, wow, you really, like, did, you know, not all of the impressions were great by any means, but I guess there were some that hit fairly well. And after that, I was like, oh, I really... I should keep doing this. And then I heard about the NBC Diversity Scholarship oh. and see I... Put together a little thing for that, and then ended up, yeah, um, getting second place, which was huge for me because I think up until that point I wasn't really on the radar at all within mm-hmm. the community. Like I interned and did all that stuff, but it, mm-hmm. I didn't feel like necessarily um, too many people knew who I was. But mm-hmm. then later that year, I didn't. I I got all the way through callbacks that year on MOD, but did not actually get on MOD. Um, but then. When someone left um, a team later that year, I got placed on, and I credit a lot of it with that diversity showcase, because I was finally, like, on stage at UCB in a very mm-hmm. visible way, like, doing characters and impressions, and,
1: um, Yeah. That's awesome, yeah. And I, I saw that you have a pretty solid Sofia Vergara impression.
0: <laughs> I sure hope so. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I mean I love her. I'm part Colombian. She's Colombian, so yeah, everything. She's great. The bit of her that I make fun of is from a very loving place.
1: <laughs> and you've one cool thing, uh, and I'm, I just think this is awesome that you were on several episodes of Late Show with Stephen Colbert.
0: Yeah. How yeah, many times
1: have you done that now?
0: Um, so I've, I've shot with them three times. I think only two of the things have ended up airing. Cause it's mm-hmm. very like, it, it's a very topical show, obviously. And, um, right. and a lot of the decisions as to what go, I mean, I still don't totally understand like the fine <laughs> behind the scenes workings of it, but essentially, you know, like they're, they're constantly approving or not approving like all, what ends up going on and then things can get t- cut for time or whatever. But yeah, I, I think I, I'm like, uh, not the only, but I think I'm one of the actors that they um call up when they have need for someone who's like me for like a sketch or a bit and I have loved working like everybody there is so, so nice and just yeah. like like and I and I mean that so sincerely because sometimes you do work places where you're like, oh, like
1: <laughs> I don't you know,
0: like people just don't seem to be bothered that like you're new there and don't know what you're doing or whatever, but they just like so welcoming and like oh, the second great. time they, they all remembered me from the first time and were like saying such nice things and it's just like I love being in places like that that feel like little communities and where everybody is just like like once like has each other's back essentially and just like is kind and remembers names and
1: you know mm-hmm.
0: things that matter but yeah so they're great people I hope to keep doing mm-hmm. stuff with them I've had a lot of fun with what I've done so far yeah so. there's a
1: hilarious bit about Object work and the invisible objects. Oh gosh, yeah. you that was crushed the first, it in that.
0: Oh, thank you so much. That was the first thing that I did for them, and since it wasn't topical, it was kind of like a. We don't know if this will air or if right. it ever will. And I, I was so happy it did because I, I mean, I that one specifically. I remember when like I got the script, I was like, oh, this is really funny. So like,
1: funny. really hope that it was
0: just really well written. I can't take too much credit for that because like the director was great. The writing was real funny. Like they just made, they made me look good because they, I was delivered like a lot of wonderful.
1: There are a lot of really great gags in that, and so oh. people can find that on your website. Uh, yes, yes, um, they can. it's and I, I implore them too because it's really, really great. It's That's, a good. It's oh yeah. Good. <laughs> oh gosh. That's and and it's really great to hear that there are so many good people there I know one of the producers and he's an incredibly nice guy and um, and I've heard great things about Colbert he's one of my heroes so to hear that everyone there is creating a good environment for people to just flourish is is nice to hear that'd be yeah. a dream come true for me to get to do a bit on there
0: uh, yeah you gotta
1: <laughs> yeah 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 a lot of really great talented people writing there as well um, yeah well, we're reaching the end of the episode here. I feel like we've talked about a lot, but we still seem to have barely scratched the surface um, <laughs> so let's let's try to uh, fine-tune this maybe to talk more about your process when working with sketch because you are a very talented performer, and uh, it's something that I think can be difficult to do to work in sketches uh, just because. You don't get the time necessarily to really drop in a character. And, of course, with your training, you you can do that quicker than other people can. But let's talk about your process with doing these characters that you're going to do for a couple minutes and then maybe never do again. How (laughs) do you uh, approach the script and then coming up with the character Dynamics.
0: So there's two um, sort of approaches to that. Again, if I if I write the character myself, then it's a longer process because I mm-hmm. um, am sort of workshopping it and spending a lot of time with it. And I'm doing crazy things like being in my room for mm-hmm. <laughs> periods of time, just like talking as this character, trying to figure it out. Or and then there's characters that don't work that I just like let die very quickly because I'm like I can't keep getting excited about this. Like I just don't know where this is going. But the, So those you kind of spend a long time with and can actually kind of get into. Uh, but I think the refreshing thing when someone else has written that character for you, like on the sketch team that I'm on, um, is that they often have an idea, too, of sort of what they're looking for. So it's a collaborative thing. You don't have to sort of necessarily come up with things from scratch. You can try out things and they may love it or hate it like that happens (laughs) equally as often Um, but the cool thing is and I think the reason one of the biggest reasons I love being on Mod and, and working with the foundation is because it is just sort of like this trial and error thing you get a sketch and you get a really funny character and you're like okay like this is already funny how do I make it even funnier how do I like bring this to life and you only have three rehearsals to do that and the first rehearsal is just sort of getting it up on its feet and Mm -hmm. so after that you just sort of I just like to play with it and one of the biggest things that I've learned um I think it was I don't know if you know Frank Garcia hell but he's The person who I remember said this in a workshop and it really stuck with me because in my like for some reason in my actor brain when I looked at like characters and sketches I was like oh sketch comedy is big like in order to be a character or be a crazy person like you they should have like an accent or some sort of like big thing about them right like it should be noticeably like oh this is the character But that's not always the case. Like, sometimes playing this character real is what is gonna get it through because the Mm -hmm. weird thing about them is just that they're like really upset about something or that they're like saying and saying things, but it's better if you play it as a real person. And that was a huge lesson for me because I always viewed sketch comedy as like this huge, like over the top thing, which it can Mm -hmm. be. But like, sometimes there's a lot to be pulled from like playing a character as real as you can so um Davey especially writes some sketches that are like that which I love it kind of it forces you to like maneuver that a little bit and so that's a big thing that I look up at what especially when I'm doing sketches written by other people is it like is doing some big character choice gonna take away from what's funny of the sketch like is it gonna distract from what this is and if the answer is no, then I'll, like, figure out what a fun character choice could be.
1: I think one of the struggles I have or have have had when trying to play a character is sometimes I do want to have this sort of depth to the character that um, I can't really make happen because maybe it just didn't have enough rehearsals with it or, you know, you couldn't live with it enough for it to feel lived in. Right is that just something you just have to accept when it's something you're kind of working with on the fly? Or is there a sort of process that someone can go through to get better at that?
0: Um, Yes and no. My biggest thing, and this is just a personal thing, but I do think it's true the earlier that you can get off book, the better. And like, I don't recommend being off book for the first rehearsal because like, a big part of getting off book is like sort of Getting the it to your body and your muscle, mm-hmm. you know, like you want to feel when this line is happening and stuff. So, so you don't want to do it so early that you're like doing it robotically. But at the same time, like when you're off script, you just have more of a chance to play and make it your own. And that repetition of of doing it without the script for a bit longer, like if you're giving yourself two solid rehearsals where you're able to sort of just. You know, maybe the first one, you're still sort of remembering lines, but the second one, you know them. It just gives you an opportunity to, like, get a little deeper into things and play with things if you're not um, still looking at the piece of paper. And that's, I truly think that's, like, a huge part of it. But yeah, because I've just noticed even for myself, like, the, the shows where I was off book later, I did not feel I performed as strongly in, like, or made as bold of character choices in or what have you just because, like, you know... I was still holding a piece of paper and like not really sure what this thing was yet, you know? Um, but yeah, I think, I also think that you have to remember that sketch comedy while yes, it's it's theater and it's performance and there's a character and they have, they could have a backstory and all this thing, but like there's, but you can't get too caught up in like that, like, theatrical tablework aspect of it because it is different right it's sketch comedy it's funny like there doesn't need to be too much depth to what's happening you know if you're playing like a trying to um even okay so like uh, the foundation did a sketch uh at our last show that I had pitched um which was like a mother who didn't know how to give like more adult heavy news to their child and she comes in singing Moana and then they realize like oh this is how we can communicate this like through a song so she sings like a song from Moana but with the lyrics changed and as it goes on the lyrics get progressively more and more like insane and you're like wow this mom is like telling this kid way too much about her past and like <laughs> it gets real crazy and like and yeah, to a certain degree, there's like this, like emotional. You know, you want to like go into the character deep enough so that like it feels justified. Like I want to be a nervous enough mom at top, up top that like that it's funnier that then she makes this bold choice, right? But like, but do I need do I need to like internalize that this mom had this crazy history before and that she's pregnant? And all that? like no, you know. like you only need, you just you kind of just like figure out what how much uh I don't know character development you need to do to like make the sketch itself work because the writing's funny and like I know actors who are like oh but what's my motivation or oh what's this and it's like it's not it's not the same (laughs) It's
1: it's
0: it's a different art form and so you don't have to get too caught up into that like No, it can't just be that the writing is funny and smart like you do have to perform it well but just like allow yourself the time to get off book and then be loose with it and find fun things but Mm -hmm. it's more like a discovery than a sitting down with the script and being like okay like here's my character tree now
1: like yeah yeah. (laughs) yeah you're right um because you do have to be looser with it because when I've struggled it was when I was trying to put all of this like meaning behind things and and I think you do have to just be looser with it and and I think some of that depth can come when you're being looser with it
0: yeah exactly exactly
1: I feel like if you really appreciate Phil Hartman's work on SNL I don't know that he had the time because they're doing it so quickly to really put that much intentionally put that much depth into it, I think some of it comes with the just the gravitas of his acting ability, but then some of it was a matter of like letting it be what it was confidently.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just sort of making a choice, and as long as everybody else is on board with it, then sticking <laughs> with that, and just going and like. And I think that's the thing is just like there's a lot of committing to it, really hard. I think mm-hmm. that's like you can make. A really bold choice that's going to be really funny and you may have prepared it really well but if you're not committing all the way especially on stage like that kind of thing shows and I see all these mm-hmm. people are so talented and so funny but then they'll have this great idea and then you know you'll watch them do it and you're like you can see them almost judging themselves while they're doing it it's like you can think this is the stupidest thing but while you're performing it you should act like it's the best thing you've ever done even yeah. if you're like, this is so dumb. And I'm real guilty of that, too. But, like, but I will at least to some degree, like, still commit. Like, I might intro some of my characters being like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever written. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but I'm still going to, like, for the most part, like, you know, commit real hard. Like, you know, it's it's way more fun to watch someone commit real hard and fail real hard than it is for someone to do something that's really funny but not be totally, like, invested in it or at least look like they're not. you Yeah. Know?
1: It's it's interesting what people have to sort of do in order to have not control that doesn't seem like 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 just to control they're funny I guess but like you right. think of a so like a a great character sketch performer is Kristen Wiig like she has mm-hmm. crazy funny characters and is presenting them in such a funny way Kate McKinnon's the same way and I think it's just that they are can in control of themselves like of their own essence and are just like staying within that lane as far as trying to control it and the rest they're being loose enough with so that it works and also just not judging it at all
0: yeah I mean those are two performers who are amazing to watch in part because they're truly not afraid of making themselves look stupid like they Oh, you scrunch up their chin as much, like just facially, even just like, <laughs> yeah. and, like that's really, really fun to watch as someone just commit really hard, even if it's stupid. Like the commitment yeah. can sell it, you know.
1: Oh yeah, I mean Will Ferrell is another good example of that. I mean, yeah. the, you know, the cowbell sketch is a perfect example of like the the character was being serious, was taking himself seriously but it was the most absurd looking thing ever for the viewer. <laughs> it's, and I, that was, that's also one of the funny things about Will Ferrell is his being able to ride that sort of uh, silliness of something without playing it. Like the character is aware of how silly it is. Right. And, and that's what's so like uh, unique about those things performers like that and they and it really is like a matter of not caring about how silly they will look or or whatever um i heard a story about val kilmer when he was doing the movie top secret asking about uh the motivation of the character (laughs) you know the directors were like what (laughs) it was was like he went to juilliard you know like and i and i think at the time and i don't know if the record ever got broken but he was the youngest person ever accepted into Juilliard for acting when he was accepted. So he was, like, really young and and of that mindset. So, like, by the time he was on Top Secret, that's the only thing he's thinking about. Right. But, you know, and it's funny that, like, he was able to make things work because he was approaching it <laughs> with that sort of... Yeah. <laughs> that approach, but gosh... You know, like if you, if you apply it to the right things and then you can sort of let everything else lie as the way they're going to. Right. Ah, such a good thing.
0: <laughs> oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, you just gotta be able to like not care what you look like and just, <laughs> and that's the thing is cause like listen as people like well i mean i know some people who seem to genuinely like not care and i admire that i'm not saying that i'm not throwing shade i'm like that's so cool oh, right. but i am not one of those people and i think most of the people i am around are also like that but like that's the freeing thing about being on stage is like you're allowed to look stupid and it's mm-hmm. better if you do and commit to it and so like you that's like the one moment you get to just be like i don't care like mm-hmm. i get This is my, like, moment of power. And then I'm going to leave the stage and immediately be like, oh, my God, like, does this person hate me? But (laughs) but while I'm on stage, like, everybody's just going to have to watch me either way. So why not just commit mm, real hard?
1: (laughs) Right. Well, let's create something together. And an idea that I have is about creating a character like come up with characters if they if someone's going to audition and they need to have characters in their pocket cuz it's sketch or whatever how do you come up with characters
0: yeah so if i have an audition like that i will usually already at this point i already have sort of like a backlog of characters that i have performed in the past that have gone well. And so for those kind of auditions, I tend to pull those out just cause like mm-hmm. they're tried and true, mm-hmm. but in the like ever continuing process of creating characters, I have, um, so I have a spreadsheet in my computer called sketch and character ideas. Mm-hmm. And it's just a Google doc spreadsheet. Um, and I, every time that I think of something, no matter how stupid or how great I put it in a little, I just like type it in. If I really like the idea and I'm like, oh, I should definitely write this up, I'll like highlight it. Um, But so I have this like long, long list, and most of them I have not done right. But it just exists for that one moment that I do have to sit down and write. And usually, what I'll end up doing is like, um, you know, if there's an idea that I really like, I'll sit down and write it. And the first draft is just to get something on paper. Like it ends up being total garbage. Like. Mm the time right like you're just (laughs) writing and my characters tend to be very like verbose too i either do sort of somewhat social commentary satire type characters or characters that are just like real dumb and say real weird things like those seem to tend to be like my two sort of like tropes i guess and in my community. um and so with that like especially for those ones that just like say stuff like I'll just be typing out whatever I can think of for this and then like you know what helps me is I'll print that out I might workshop that real awful draft at like a show or I might not and just like sit down with it and start and like say it out loud and realize how much of this is like real stupid and can go and start crossing out things and rewriting and it just like Become sort of a pro and like somewhere down the line I'll either be getting really excited about this character and be like yeah, there's something here or I might be like Oh god, I can't make this work and I just give up and One of the things that's been most helpful for me I know a lot of people will do a lot of live shows to try things out
1: Just
0: oh, yeah. uh, great and I recommend that a lot but for someone in my position that I don't always have the time to just like Go do tons of shows because I'll be in rehearsal or, or what have you is that I will put the characters on tape. So a thing that I'm doing this mm-hmm. year, which was just a goal for me to make sure that I was generating enough ideas, is I have an Instagram that's devoted to doing a character a day. Um, and I started that on the beginning of January, and I have some really stupid ones in there. And those are mostly improvised. Like, just at the spur mm-hmm. of the moment, I think of an idea and, like, do them. Mm-hmm. But the thing that it sort of speaks to that I'll do even with characters that I'm trying to flesh out more is that if you put them on camera a you see very quickly how long they are and so mm. you start seeing like where good things to cut um are but also mm. you just like you're seeing yourself perform you're hearing it out loud like you're almost watching it as an audience member and it's just for me it's been a much easier way to be like oh that really is not like as funny now that i'm like watching myself do it like where can i find uh, you know a funnier bit and be Oftentimes, like I try to be, I like my characters to be shorter and I try to aim for like the one minute period and just in trying to cut characters down to that length, I end up rewriting it in a way where like the joke hits quicker or like is more clear because you have to, if you only give yourself a certain amount of time, you sort of have to distill it and just forcing myself to self edit in that way is usually like where I get the strongest
1: rewrite. (laughs) from <laughs> Yeah, that's very cool. I really dig that approach. So, if I wanted to take that on it, it would be like if when something comes to mind or when I start doing bits with people, if something strikes me, then write it down and uh yeah. maybe even record myself doing it and and flesh it out, you know, put it on uh, putting it on something like an Excel spreadsheet um or uh, writing it out, however might be most comfortable for me. And, and fleshing it out. Those are good steps. Yeah. Good first steps. Yeah, sure. And
0: at the, at the very least, like just if you have the idea, make sure that you jot it down somewhere because I can't yeah. tell you how many times I've been like, oh, what a funny thing. And then I'll forget to write it down and I can't remember it later, which is one right. of the reasons started that spreadsheet but yeah and then when i have time you know i'll open i use like writer's duet or celtics but like whatever mm-hmm. program works for you and just like type up a quick monologue version of this character and oh cool it
1: yeah yeah I, what i hate is when i have ideas when i'm in the middle of a show like when i'm watching a show so i'm i i can't as an audience member i don't want to pull out my phone and that's right. the only thing i have write notes. so then like at the end i'll just cross my fingers that i'll remember it later
0: <laughs> right yeah that can be tough
1: but and that's always when my ideas come to me (laughs) i don't know why
0: or like when you're i don't know on the bike or in the shower like somewhere where it's not gonna work out
1: yeah yeah where i can't take it down those are great tips there it is i'll call it and uh, i so appreciate you being on here erica
0: well thanks so much for having me this was
1: fun Erica is fun, she's awesome, and you can see her sketch team, the Foundation, perform on Mod Nights at UCB in Hell's Kitchen. Their next show is June 25th. She also has a Spanish sketch comedy show for English speakers called Los Profesores en Vacaciones. There's one tomorrow night, May 30th. This show is also at UCB, and they'll be doing it at the Dell Close Marathon on June 29th. Go to ucbtheater.com for tickets and information for all of these shows. You can follow her on Twitter at Eric Huddy and on Instagram at 365 Ericas. And don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at There It Is Pod and me at Jason far Jokes. Links in bio as always. And folks, We're coming up on 100 episodes, special episode coming. I want you to hear that. Until next time, be good to each other.
0: The music for the theme song was created by Neil Brooks. The rap was written and performed by Nick Acevedo. The logo for There It Is was created by Jeff Prater. The There It Is podcast is produced by Jason Farr.